This is the part we'll spend most of the time on. That's the MIP2. I'm going to discuss the old MIP2, but partly also the new modules that are based on this MIP2. Probably interesting to uh, to understand why there's an, the number 2 here. Well, the number 2 is there because we also had a MIP1. Uh, but that one is outdated, it's historic. Um, it's defined here in RFC 11.5.6. Um, the MIP2 looks at management of the variables that relate to the TCP/IP protocol st stack. So um, it does not look at the things below IP, so it doesn't look at Ethernet, and it doesn't look higher uh, to all kinds of applications. If you count the number of variables, uh, then you get about 170 variables, most of them being read-only. So you can read a lot of stuff, but you cannot change a lot of things. Well, this is the RFC, which defines MIP2, and as said, MIP2 is defined according to SMI version 1. Um, the MIP2 consists of a number of groups, and these groups are now being taken apart, defined in separate MIP modules, and I've just written down here the RFCs and the groups uh, that yeah, are currently valid. Uh, but they do not have yet full standards uh, status. Let's first look at uh, the design criteria behind the MIP2. Uh, because that makes it clearer why certain things are not there. First, um, only things that were essential for fault or configuration management were included in the MIP2. Uh, the term essential means that uh, there are no options, so you have to implement everything. Except, of course, when you have a bridge that doesn't have TCP protocol, you do not have to implement the variables to manage the TCP uh, protocol, because you do not have it. But if you support a protocol, then you should also implement all the management variables. So there are no options, that's why the term essential is used. And the second thing is that we again see here that this is for fault and to a lesser extent configuration management. It's not for security management or for accounting. Sometimes you can do a little, but then you just have luck. It was not designed uh, to be useful for accounting. The second design criteria is that only weak control objects should be included. What are control objects? Well, control objects are objects that control the behavior of the system. So if you change the control object, the system will behave differently. So. Control objects always are settable. If they're just readable, they do not control anything. So, um, so there are um, not many uh, objects that you can set. And if you can set them, they do not have a lot of impact on the system in general. Uh, Take, for example, the IP address of a system. There is a variable 
Well, that indicates the IP address of the system, but you can not change as manager via SNMP that variable. It's only read-only. Why? Well, if you could change that, you could, of course, change the complete behavior of the system by just giving it another address. And security is relatively weak with SNMP version 1. So if you would allow these yeah, uh, things to be set, you run into big security problems. Um, a third thing is that there are only a, limit, a relatively small number of objects uh, defined. I already said that there are around 170 divided over nine groups. Um, then, redundancy, redundant variables should not be there. So there should no variables be defined that can be calculated from other variables. Take for example, um, if you have the variable, the number of packets received without the CRC error, and another variable, the number of uh, packets uh, received with CRC error, then you do not need a third variable to indicate the total number of packets that you receive, because you can calculate it by taking the first and second one together. So, no things that you can calculate from other variables. Evidence of utility, so that means that while standardizing, people didn't agree on something. Well, it wasn't evidence, so it was thrown out. Um, another aspect that is important is do not disturb normal operation. So, do not... Well, wh why is this important? Quite simple. If you um, have to update variables, it can take you quite some processor time of your router, of what other device you're managing. And um, it is expensive. Right? You also need extra uh, memory uh, for your management functionality. And if you just count everything uh, that could presumably be interesting, you probably spend 90% of your time on updating management variables and only 10% of your time on doing the real stuff, like, for instance, if you're a router. Uh, You only spend 10% of your capacity on, on forwarding traffic. Well, that's of course wrong. But it is a risk um, which is yeah, really existing. A lot of people make that mistake. So, what kind of things should be included? Uh, not the normal operation. You shouldn't count too much on the things that yeah, go, go right. Uh, you should count the things that go wrong. So, concentrate on the weird behavior. Further, the MIP2 doesn't have any implementation-specific uh, stuff, so it is a kind of functional MIP, and it's not a uh, yeah, physical MIP. The, uh, it doesn't count, for instance, the number of uh, bytes free within the router, or the number of uh, pro uh, processors running on your system. For that, you need, uh, for instance, the host resources MIP. This is the, yeah, the naming structure of the MIP2. We'll see here a couple of groups. We have the system group. Interfaces group, address translation group, the IP group, the ICMP group, TCP group, UDP group, EGP group, transmission group, 
in S and P group. First interesting thing is that if you count here, we'll go up till 8 and we'll miss 9. 9 was originally in the MIP1, uh, the branch reserved for CMOD, Common Management over TCP, so OSI management protocols in the internet world. But as I told last time, uh, CMOD is historic, so in the MIP2 they removed that branch. Further, the transmission group is in fact just a placeholder. It doesn't have in the MIP2 any variables, but it allows you to put transmission MIPs under. And SNMP was added in the MIP2, which wasn't in the MIP1. This is the yeah, protocol view of a system. And the colored stuff are the groups that are defined in the MIP2. Um, the address translation is in fact the ARP address resolution protocol stuff. It does the mapping between the IP addresses and the, uh, yeah, the MAC addresses or other lower layer addresses. And the interfaces should be seen as abstractions of the, the transmission protocols below. So they count generic things like number of things that come in and number of things that go out and number of errors, but they do not count the number of collisions because that's something specific for Ethernet. What I will do now is uh, I'll go over these various groups. Let's start with the system group. The system group um, is defined in the original MIP2, has uh, seven variables. And uh, these variables are sysdescription, which is an, uh, a string filled in by the vendor describing what kind of system this is. I'll come to an example later. You have a sys object ID, which is an, uh, yeah, an object identifier that points to an enterprise-specific MIP, so a MIP that is uh, defined by the vendor of this system. You have sys uptime, that's the time the system is, well, the management portion of the system was the last uh, yeah, re-initialized, or just started up. And it's measured in one hundredths of seconds. Then I'll come to three things which are written down in red and bold. Uh, the meaning of that is that red variables are ones that you can write. All the others you can only read. So there are some things we can write here. This contact, which indicates um, whom to contact if you have any questions. Usually an email is uh, included in that. Sys name, so the, the name of the system. Sys location, the place where the system is actually standing. Finally, there's sys services, and I'll explain that a little on the next slide. Um, sys services is in fact uh, yeah, one byte uh, with uh, yeah, the bits that can take specific uh, values. If the last bit is set, it says that the system includes uh, physical layer capabilities. If the second bit is set, it has data link capabilities. If the third one is set, it has uh, internet, so IP level uh, uh, capabilities. If this one is set, it has end-to-end -end capabilities. And if this bit is set, it has application capabilities. If you have an uh, 
manager system, you like to have such a graphical user interface with nice icons on it. And usually you want to have different icons for different pieces of equipment. And by reading this byte, you know what kind of equipment is there. So you know what kind of icon you have to show on your, on your screen. And that's what people do with it. It's quite helpful. Um, I'll try uh, to uh, give an example of this. Okay, let's uh, go on. Um, I'll go uh, through the other groups. I'll uh, show you examples of these other groups. Let's look at the interfaces group. The interfaces group is uh, 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 structured quite simple. It has a table. It has an interface number variable. The inter interface number variable indicates the number of entries in this table. So, the number of interfaces you have. Huh? If you have on your system just an Ethernet card, you have one interface. How does that interface table look like? But first, um, let's go uh, through the, the conventions on my sheets. This is again red, so this means that this is a variable you can set. I'll come to that later. And blue are the things that are the index values of the table. So the table is indexed via this field. And that's the IF index. It is just something that is number, yeah, a unique number. Uh, doesn't even have to be an, uh, uh, a continuous numbering scheme. <laughs> okay, what do we have? We have an interface description, which is the vendor name and the version uh, number of this uh, interface. You have an, uh, an interface type. I'll show it here. This is the interface type. You have there lots of numbers, and I just wrote down some of them. And, uh, well, if the number is 1, it says that the interface is of an unknown or undefined type. Uh, if it is uh, number 6, it is an Ethernet. If it is number 7, it's the IEEE 802.3 version, uh, which is nearly the same as Ethernet, but there's some small differences. If it is number 8, it is a uh, token bus, uh, something that hardly anyone is using anymore. If it is 9, it is token ring. If it's 10, it is the metropolitan area network stuff of uh, uh, the IEEE DQDB. 15 is FDDI, the Fiber Distributed Data Interface. This is Lab B, something related to the X25 protocol. This is ISDN Basic Access, ISDN Primary Rate, Point-to-Point -point Protocol, Loopback, Serial Line IP, Frame Relay, and this goes on uh, I just counted yesterday, it, uh, there are now 167 different types of interfaces. And this list is growing the entire time, and uh, this list is maintained by the IANA. IANA is the group that is also maintaining lots of things for the Internet, Internet Assigned Number Authority, IANA. IFMTU, that's the maximum The IF Speed, the physical address, which is usually the MAC address, if you are on a local area network. Then we have the administrative status and the operational status. And here, the IF last change shows the last change here of this operational status. Now we get a lot of variables, which I skip, uh, except uh, an, yeah, a few of them. I'll skip them because I have a better slide later. Oh. I'll just concentrate on, on some. The IF in octets, that's the 
uh, number of octets, uh, so number of bytes that are coming in in this system over this interface. And we have here the IF out octets, that's the number that is going out. Uh, I also want to look at this one, the queue length, so how many packets are queued before transmission. And you have here a field which is a pointer to a, a specific MIP. So if, for instance, the type here indicates that this is an Ethernet interface, then you can find here the pointer to the Ethernet MIP. If you want to know the number of collisions, for instance, uh, you should follow this pointer and you'll find the Ethernet-specific stuff. I said I'll skip most of these for for now and I'll explain them on, on the next slide and that's what I'm going to do now. Uh, here I have written down all these variables again, but now in something that we usually call an, uh, a case diagram. And the case diagram shows us a little bit the relationship between the various uh, counters. This indicates a stream of packets coming in, and this indicates the stream of packets coming out. Well, let's start with things that are coming in. If things come in, we first count the number of errors. So, errors are things like CRC errors, so some bits has for, uh, yeah, changed and you have to throw away the packet because of that. If you throw away the packet, then you increase IF in errors. Um, this is the unknown protocols. Usually you run IP, but it could be that you want to run something different, which is not supported on your system. Then you increase this counter and you throw away the packet. Again, there may be a reason to throw away the packet. You discard the packet and that is because of internal problems. For instance, you do not have enough buffer space left, uh, your system is overloaded, you have to throw away things, then you increase this one. Um, these are the possibilities to throw packets away. If you don't throw them away, you give them to the IP layer. And there are two kinds of packets. You have unicast packets, which have one specific destination, and you have non-unicast, so multicast and broadcast package. And you count them separately, and they together form the total number of packets. So you do not have, for instance here, one variable showing you the total number of packets. On the other hand, if you send something out, you'll count the number of unicast packets that you send out, you count the number of non-unicast packets, you count the number of packets which uh, uh, you have to throw away uh, yeah, because of an error. An error can be that the cable is disconnected. If I just put the plug out, then I cannot send something, and then this counter will be increased. And there may again be reasons uh, which have to do with internal implementation that I do not have enough buffer space or whatever. Uh, I can still throw the packet away in that case, and I have to increase that counter. So that is the, uh, yeah, all these variables in the interface group. Um, let's go again to this group. Uh, you'll see here lots of packets, but usually most operators just look at some of these packets because most of these packets 
give you already too detailed information, but just looking at somehow you get already quite some useful information. And I'll show you an example. These kind of pictures you 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 see very often with operators. And how do they generate it? By just looking at some of the variables in the interface table. In fact, very simple, but still yeah, very useful. Okay, now I'll go to the to the next table, the address translation group. Um, in fact, it uh, has just one single table. And you can look at this table as a kind of ARP address resolution protocol, an ARP cache. And the number of entries here are the same as the number of interfaces you have. Um, the status of this table is deprecated. There are some new tables that have similar information. I'll come to that later, the IP Netto Media table and the IP Address table. How does the table look like? Well, quite simple. You here have the index, and this is the uh, other index, the a net address. So this is the IP address and then you find here the physical address. Let's go to the IP layer. Um, the IP layer we have uh, lots of variables and we have some tables and there are only two variables which are in red. So there are two variables that you can uh, set. The first one is IP forwarding, which indicates if this system is uh, forwarding traffic or not. If it's forwarding traffic, then it is in fact a router. If it's not forwarding traffic, then it's an end system. And this is the IP default time to live. So that is the uh, time to live field that is filled in in the packets that are generated by this system. Um, usually you have something like certain. Uh, then we have a, a lot of variables which I can better explain via a case diagram. That's this diagram. It's quite similar to the RF diagram I showed earlier. Except that um, yeah, if something comes in now, it need not always be delivered to the higher layer. Uh, if the system is routing, there is forwarding traffic, then it goes here and out again. So that explains this uh, arrow. Well, what kind of variables do we have? First, we count the number of IP packets that we receive. Then we look if there are any errors in the header. There's a small checksum in the header. Uh, there's some fields that may not take certain values, and if you detect these kind of errors, you throw away the packet and you increase this counter. You can also have an address error. An address error is uh, if you have, an, um, for instance, an, an end system, and you have a address A, B, C, D, but you receive something for X, Y, Z, Z. And, well, X, Y, Z, Z is not your address. It was delivered to you, but it didn't belong here, so you throw away the packet and you increase this counter. Well, then you make the decision if the packet should be forwarded to another system or not. Um, if it is uh, not being forwarded, but it should go to the higher layer in this system, you can first... Um, 
look at uh, the uh, fragmentation flag in the IP packet. If the fragmentation flag says that this package should be uh, reassembled, so uh, it was segmented, uh, fragmented somewhere else, and this is the end system, you have to combine it, then you count the number of these uh, fragments that you receive. If uh, reassembly fails because there's one part, one fragment missing, you throw away everything and you increase this counter. If it is okay, then you uh, increase this counter. Here you have the complete IP packet again, and you can discard it because you do not have uh, sufficient buffer space. You can uh, throw it away because the higher level protocol isn't known to you. Um, uh, if you see in the system that this one has a high value, then you know that the routing table is not configured correctly. You can discard it because of buffer space or whatever. Uh, you may have to uh, segment the or fragment the packet, which again has three variables which you can increase, and then finally you send it away. And of course, if you forward things, then you have here a counter IP forwarded datagrams. I have um, explained in the IP group these variables, and now I'm going to look at these tables. The first table I want to look at is the IP address table. And that's this one. And the address table maps the IP address to the, an interface. In fact, an uh, interface index. Uh, so this is the, the index that we have seen in the interface table. It doesn't directly map the IP address on the MAC address. Then you need an additional step from the interface index to the MAC address. Um, what does it uh, also show? It shows you the, uh, the net mask, which you use for uh, classless interdomain routing. Uh, you see you have the IP address entity broadcast address, something like that, and the reassembly maximum size. Let's go to the next table. Um, on the previous table we saw how we could map from an IP address to an, uh, to an interface, and here we can map from an interface to a MAC address. Um, here we have the, uh, yeah, the interfaces again, uh, here we have the, the MAC addresses again, uh, here we have the uh, IP addresses, uh, this one and this one together form the index, so if you know your, your IP address you can easily find the MAC address. And you also have here a, a type which uh, says if uh, this uh, address is uh, configured by the manager, or if it is something static, or it has been uh, uh, obtained via a dynamic algorithm, a uh, kind of protocol. So not by a human being, but it, but it may change. So let's now go to the routing table. The routing table is uh, the third table I want to discuss, and this one is a little bit interesting since you see that there are lots of things in red. So you can set lots of things. 
this is quite strange. If you look at the other things in the MIP, you cannot set a lot of things, but the routing table, you can. What you see here is the, yeah, the destination where you can send something to. The next, the IP address of the, of the next system along the path. The interface you should use to get there. The, the mask that you need. Then you have a root type. And then you have here a couple of root metrics. Um, root age. The protocol that you're using. And for that protocol you can have a pointer to a specific uh, other MIP. What is wrong with this table? If you just look here, you see that there's only one index. So you cannot have multiple routes to, for instance, this system. Because then you would have to repeat this IP address here. Uh, and yeah, you get two entries with the same index and that's not possible. Uh, that's why this table is now deprecated and they have an, a forward table which has multiple indexes. I'll now go to the forwarding table. The forwarding table is something uh, added later because the routing table had the problem that you could only have one metric for a specific destination. The forwarding table solves that. And if you look at the table, then you see that there are many blue columns, so you can index this on a couple of things. Uh, destination, uh, then the next hop, the policy, and the protocol that you're using. So there's enough to make things unique. Uh, now I'll go to the ICMP group. ICMP group is in, uh, is in fact a long list of uh, counters. And um, yeah, ICMP is the Internet Control Message Protocol. I've shown that in this list. Um, in fact, you have one counter which counts the total number that's coming in. Then you have a counter for the number of errors. And then for the various ICMP message types, there's uh, a different counter. And also if you send something, then for the various things you generate, you have for each type of ICMP message, a separate counter, the number of errors, which the things you throw away, the number of outgoing messages. Next one is the TCP group. TCP group has, uh, again, a couple of variables and one table, the connection table. Uh, if you look at the variables, we have uh, here first a variable indicating which kind of uh, retransmission algorithm we're using. The maximum number of connections that you allow at TCP level, the uh, counter for all the active opens since the system has restarted, counter for all the passive opens since the system has uh, restarted, the counter for the uh, yeah, connection uh, attempts that failed, the number of the counter for the number of resets, the uh, counter for the current number of TCP connections. Uh, the number of uh, ingoing and outgoing yeah, segments, the number of uh, retransmitted segments, this is the connection table, this is the errors, and this is the number of resets or something like that. 
I'll now just go to the connection table. The connection table says uh, uh, the connection state. This one can be set by the manager. And you here have the states like uh, uh, closed, listen, uh, that you send in uh, sync, uh, at, uh, a couple of these uh, things that you have in the protocol. And with this you can abort as manager a TCP connection. This is indexed by the uh, local TCP address, the local TCP port, the remote TCP address and the remote TCP port. Next one is UDP. UDP is uh, for uh, counters, the number of uh, UDP packets that uh, yeah, you deliver to the higher layer, the number of packets you cannot deliver to the higher layer because you do not know the port, so the, the higher layer protocol and the errors, and also you have counter for the things that you uh, uh, send out. EGP is Exterior Gateway Protocol. Um, I don't know why they ever included that in the MIP2 because you have also a lot of other routing uh, protocols. This is the structure, I'm not going to do that. Transmission Group, which was the placeholder for transmission MIPS. Um, doesn't have any real variables. But these are just other MIP modules. Finally, we have the SNMP group, which consists of a uh, large number of uh, read-only counters. Uh, it counts the number of transmitted SNMP PDUs, the number of received SNMP PDUs. Um, you have different types of SNMP PDUs, so you even count it for that, and you count the number of errors. And there is uh, one thing that the manager can, can change, and that is uh, something that enables or disables the sending of authentication traps. So